Good morning, everyone on <clears throat> online and embodied. Um, now I don't think I remembered to bring my reminders. I wanted to offer. <clears throat> I wanted to offer one reminder for those of us who knew that we're fragrance-free um, center, and if. Um, unintentionally you'll hear fragrance it's uh, great to have a shower and wash your clothes there's a laundry machine in samadhi and that way it's a safe environment for people who uh, have um, multiple chemical sensitivities <clears throat> there was something else but i've forgotten <laughs> So, uh, uh, Teresa of Avila said that um, that no one is so advanced in prayer and meditation that they do not often have to return to the beginning. And I love that. This returning over and over again and we, in a way, are returning to the beginning. Wow, it seems so loud. We are returning to the beginning. Could we just put it a little lower? Um, in um, this last part of our three-week retreat, and there's something lovely about doing, uh, about returning to the beginning again. There's one response which is, oh, I've just heard so many talks about mindfulness or whatever it is. And, oh my God, do I have to hear it again? And I myself have often uh, in long retreats where the same exact talk is given by the teacher. And if you've been going, if you went to many three months retreats, you could actually um, repeat the whole Dharma talk yourself because you heard it so many times. Uh, and then there's something wonderful about, you know, just like chanting where we chant over and over again, there's something beautiful about the deepening uh, that um, as we open and soften how the transmission of the Dharma takes place through that deepening of just hearing the same thing over and over again, but it lands differently each time. So that's another beautiful uh, part of beginning again for those of us who are beginning again in um, this third part. And then uh, it's a, a lovely reminder for those of you who are new, who have come into the retreat for the first time. So I wanted uh, to talk about mindfulness, of course. It's such an amazing energy that uh, we have living inside of us. And um, we are here to cultivate this beautiful mental factor. Uh, we talked about self-determination the other morning. And so we are in this inquiry of 
self-determination. Where am I going in my life? How can I relate to my life with more ease? How can I, and is it possible to end suffering? How do I live with a more open heart? Is it possible to love myself unconditionally? Others? How do I work with the places inside of myself that I would describe as painful? or the wounds that I barely can hold. Can I even learn to like myself? Is it true that there is a way in which I can come so deeply home into the moment and the moments of my life that I consider I am at home? Because it's true, I'm guessing that each one of us have these longings in our hearts, living. And what's beautiful about us being here in this practice is that these teachings are offering us a path. And you can see for yourself that that might address, might meet these longings, might possibly end our suffering, might be possible to like ourselves and love ourselves and others unconditionally, might offer us the strength to hold whatever is most painful and difficult in our life. And so we're here to over and over again try this on. If I can fully give myself to trying this on for these six days, then maybe I'll be able to come to assess, to feel, to experience whether these teachings provide a way to live my life that realizes these and embodies the longings that we have in our heart. So I want to begin with the formal invitation again, again, because we've um, heard this many times, but I want to begin again with the formal invitation that is offered to us in the Uh, Satipatthana Sutta, the foundations of mindfulness. Thus have I heard, on one occasion the Blessed One was living in the Kuru country, 
at a town of the Kurus named Kamasadama. There he addressed the bhikkhus thus. Bhikkhus, and I'm using, I'm going to from now on use practitioners instead of bhikkhus. Venerable sir, they replied, the blessed one said this, practitioners, this is the direct path for the purification of beings, for the surmounting of sorrow and lamentation, for the disappearance of pain and grief, for the attainment of the true way, the realization of nirvana namely the four foundations of mindfulness. What are the four? Here practitioners, the practitioner abides, contemplating the body as a body, ardent, fully aware and mindful. Having put away covetousness and grief for the world, Practitioners abide contemplating feelings as feelings, ardent, fully aware and mindful, having put away covetousness and grief for the world. Practitioners abide contemplating mind as mind, ardent, fully aware and mindful, having put away covetousness and grief for the world. Practitioners abide contemplating mind objects as mind objects, ardent, fully aware, and mindful, having put away covetousness and grief for the world. And how, practitioners, does a practitioner abide contemplating the body as body? Here, a practitioner, gone to the forest or to the root of the tree, or to the Zendo at Dharmadena, sits down, having folded their legs crosswise, set their body as erect as possible, or supported, that's my addition, and established mindfulness in front of them. Ever mindful, they breathe in. Mindful, they breathe out. Breathing in long, they understand, I breathe in long. Or breathing out long, they understand, I breathe out long. Breathing in short, they understand, I breathe in short. Or breathing out short, they understand, I breathe out short. Thus, training, I shall, ex- I shall breathe in experiencing the whole body Thus, I shall breathe out experiencing the whole body. So that I want to stop there. It goes on for quite a while longer, but I want to stop there. Because there is no doubt in Venerable Fred and my mind that this path of cultivating the quality of mindfulness in the context of the whole Eightfold Path creates the conditions for answering those longings. 
venerable um, uh, Anilio, a scholar, gave this tradition, uh, this translation for Satipatthana. Sati as in mindfulness, Patana as in placing near, being present, or attending to something with mindfulness. So together means stand by in the present, in the sense of being present or attending to the current situation. And then, because sometimes the language is um, not very evocative, uh, when we when um, we first come to the Dharma, I wanted to read this poem by Galway Kinnell called Parkinson's Disease. While spoon-feeding him with one hand, she holds his hand with her other hand, or rather lets it rest on top of his, which is permanently clenched shut. When he turns his head away, she reaches around and puts in the spoonful blind. He will not accept the next morsel until he has completely chewed this one. His bright squint tells her he finds the shrimp she has just put in delicious. She strokes his head very slowly as if to cheer up each hair sticking up from its roots in his stricken brain. Standing behind him, she presses her cheek to his kisses his jowl, jowl, and his eyes seem to stop seeing and do nothing but emit light. When picking up a cookie, he uses both thumb tips to grip it and push it against an index finger to secure it so that he can lift it. She takes him to the bathroom and when they come out, she's facing him walking backwards in front of him, holding his hands, pulling him when he stops, reminding him to step when he forgets and starts to pitch forward. She is leading her old father into the future as far as they can go, and she is walking him back into her childhood where she stood in bare feet on the toes of his shoes and they fox-trotted on this same rug. I watched them closely. She could be teaching him the last steps that one day, and she may teach me. At this moment, he glints and shines as if it will be only a small dislocation for him to pass from this life into the next. poem evokes such a standing by for me, that full presence of both the observer and the daughter and her father, and how the daughter and the observer are so present for every moment in that unfolding of feeding and going to the bathroom and back. 
So this, this, and this kind of mindfulness, I don't know if you notice how it didn't just like stop at one point. It was this uh, more continuous presence because there was caring, this caring for this life. And from that caring then comes this willingness to meet it, right? And to be present for it, to respond accordingly. And in each response, there is that that caring, like, no, here, you're almost falling back. Come here forward. Oh, here's the food. I'll turn around to feed you. Here, here is me, these feet that have known each other for all these years. Here I am leading these feet that once led mine. So this combination of standing by, bearing witness, knowing, being present, being mindful, includes this this, um, wish not to abandon, not to turn away from, but to be there for, to be there for ourselves, to be there for our lives, to be there in a non-preferential way. So she didn't turn away when he needed to go to the bathroom. She turned towards. And so the capacity of mindfulness to turn towards all our experiences, and we build mindfulness until it can, to hold, to guide our experiences in ways that in ways that um, bring a tremendous intimacy to our lives and and build relationship and connection that alleviate the experience of feeling isolated and lonely and disconnected. brings us into relationship with ourselves and brings us into relationship with each other. So it's this deep and profound quality of the mind that is already living inside of us and that we are evoking through taking particular parts of our experience to notice. And so for a new beginning, if it works for us, we can return to the body as the beginning of our um, uh strengthening this quality. Um, the, the Abhidharma is a, a, um, one section of, of, the, of the Buddha's teachings that has been um, considered through a certain frame of consciousness, the arising and passing of consciousness says, um, and the mind says, uh, mindfulness is presence of mind or attentive attentiveness to the present. It has the characteristic of not wobbling, not floating away from the object or experience. Its function is absence of confusion and not forgetting. It is manifested as guardianship, not floating away, 
by uh, the winds might help drive a cork on top of the ocean so that we're at the mercy of whatever the conditions are in our lives. So it's the opposite of that, forgetfulness, but rather this remembering, I am here, I want to learn how to be present, to not abandon myself because I know intuitively from my own experiences the power of that difference. And um, it, it came to my mind again, and I know that, um, uh, that I shared this earlier on, this retreat, well, the last two-week retreat, when a piece of a disc in my back at L3 L4 had chipped off, it lodged against the spine, and I was in this incredible pain and eventually had surgery, but I lost the capacity really to walk a lot or to pick up anything. I couldn't even pick up a plate, a ceramic plate. I was eating off paper plates and plastic forks, and anyway, I'd been working I'd been working on this and trying to strengthen and nothing was really working. And um, I went to this rock star back surgeon and he said, there's nothing you can do, get used to it. This is how it's going to be for the rest of your life. And there was something about how heartless he was actually that just galvanized me into self-determination. And then I knew my friend Rhea was um, part of this uh, Process Work Institute and I heard that they were doing a workshop on working with physical symptoms as a spiritual practice, so I went to this workshop. It was a five-day retreat workshop. And um, I lay down the whole time because I couldn't sit. And um, each of us in the group were invited to go into the middle, and I said I would go first. Um, and I was lying down, and the facilitator put her hand on exactly where the surgery was. And I could feel her love and presence. And she said, of course, no one has had your back. And in that moment, something opened. It wasn't a miraculous like recovery where I could get up and walk again, but the difference is that all my efforts at healing started to make a difference where they hadn't before. And so I'm talking about how powerful, how powerful one moment of presence and kindness, because Full presence brings kindness, and kindness, of course, brings presence. How powerful that moment is. And we know that already. And so these six days are dedicated to cultivating this. And what a, what a beautiful way to cultivate, uh, a way to learn to stand with ourselves, to place ourselves close to ourselves, to know our experience rather than 
to be in forgetfulness, to be present, to companion ourselves. And so we keep bringing ourselves back and back and back again, not through judgment, but through that wish, that that invitation to answer those longings that live in our heart. So um, I want to say a couple more sentences, uh, I mean, just a couple more things around this uh, beautiful quality. That, that uh, it can have different expressions. One expression of sati is this receptive listening. I'm listening into we could say the music of sensations in my body or the sound. I receive it, non-reactive, listening into the, the knowing of experience, that knowing of experience in its receptive expression. And um, I go back a lot to a quote that I heard Mother Teresa say in response to a reporter who said um, to Mother Teresa, so when you pray, what do you say to God? And Mother Teresa says, I don't say anything, I listen. And then the reporter said, well, so what does God say to you? And Mother Teresa said, God doesn't say anything, he listens that listening, yeah? And then there is another aspect of it, which is more a warrior aspect of turning towards the experience and confronting it, knowing it fully, not just like a a boomerang, like just glancing the surface and then skipping off again, you know, like, I say this a lot because it's such a practice being present when driving, but I notice my mind so much when I'm driving where it's just skipping off different experiences, right? This is the car, this is the traffic light, this is my, um, my foot on the accelerator, but no general comprehension, knowing or understanding. So just that, oh yeah, here's the door handle. You know that habitual, oh, here's the door handle, I can see it, I'm reaching for it. Rather than that knowing, I'm walking towards the door. I'm walking with myself. I'm opening the door handle, why? Because I'm leaving the zendo to walk or to go for a meal. Like that, I'm here-ness, right? So that difference between being superficial and dropping into the experience. So Upandita describes it as not permeating, another word I used, but like permeating, permeating the whole whole experience with mindfulness. It is held fully, known fully in mindfulness and awareness. So these two different aspects, and then they they come out in another example that the Buddha gives, 
uh, as mindfulness, as guardianship. And then um, I'll, I'll stop. And a mindfulness as, as guardian, it's, uh, in the suttas there are two, um, two examples of this. And one is a monkey that has to avoid staying in the region visited by hunters. That sense of, I don't want to go into da- dangerous territory. Or a cow herds person, someone herding cows, who is taking the cows to a new pasture and has to make sure that they don't go into pastures that would be dangerous for the cows. So that sense of guardian, guarding against danger. And so we've talked about that in the past as knowing when an energy, and we'll talk more about it this, this retreat, knowing when an energy is unwholesome, when it doesn't support our well-being. We know that when, when something takes us into constriction and, and dis-ease, um, suffering, then mindfulness knows it. And we, can, we listen to that. Oh, I'm in disease. Maybe I can disentangle. I'm not in the safe pasture anymore. Can I, can I bring my, my ways of relating back into safety, like the monkey or the cows? So mindfulness as a guardian of our well-being. Discerning, able to discern what is um, supportive of our well-being and what isn't. Um, so, and we can see much more of that in terms of the six sense spaces. Okay, that might be good enough for this morning. So let's um, take a, a few of uh, these. Um, rest of the minutes to um, practice and um, perhaps as a beginning you would like to frame for yourself why you're practicing. Why are you here this morning? How would you frame that? What, what will support you in the rest of this time today. And how would you like to name companioning or standing by or witnessing your life, knowing it, not abandoning, but connecting with your presence. This intention There's no right or wrong with whatever arises, then we are a wonderful listener, friend to this life. Mm. 
and we listen. Then in our beginning again, see if you would like to acknowledge your posture, whether it's sitting or lying down or leaning or standing. It's fine to move into any of these if you're uncomfortable where you are. Just for the next 13 minutes or so. Perhaps deciding what quality of mindfulness is called for, this receptive listening in to the communication of the body in its posture, or turning towards it, confronting it. Maybe we can begin by touching different places to support us in this companioning and knowing. Beginning with the feet. Turning towards and listening to the life of feet. No need to have an agenda about it. To know it as it is, feet, in this moment, cold or warm, pressure, touch, vibration, tingling. It might be helpful to offer the invitation of relaxing into the support that's being offered to you by the bed or chair or cushion or floor. Acknowledging the knees, moving awareness to that bending if they're bent or if they're straight. What is the life of knees? Turning towards my life in knees. Sustaining that knowing. Caring. We're so grateful to have knees. Relaxing. stretching, vibration, pressure, or maybe aching or sharp shooting sensation. And 
Acknowledging the buttocks, that pressure of how the weight drops down there into the buttocks. If we're sitting or feeling how the weight of the whole body is held wherever, whatever part of body is resting. See if you can know that you are companioning, listening, meeting your experience of buttocks or whole body. Notice the hands and where the hands are. They communicate so much to us. Relaxing. Allowing that music of sensation, warmth, coolness, vibration, tingling to be known. See if you can feel the back. If you're sitting, it's uprightness. A touch of cloth against the skin. Or pressure if you're lying down or leaning against a chair. how the ribcage is moving in the back. See if you can sense that. And as you do, allow awareness to include the front of the ribcage. and how it's moving in the front as well. Wherever you feel the movement most clearly, let yourself rest there for a few moments. And then listening into the touch of the breath, if you feel it more clearly, there's a flow of air into the nostrils and out, or into the movement of the abdomen. The body knows how to breathe. 
And we're touching without knowing that experience. For these last few minutes, letting go of everything else, all worldly concerns, problems, thought loops. Just for the next few minutes, bringing our full attention to the body and the breath in the body. Knowing the in-breath and the out-breath just as they are. Life's expression, not good or bad, not right or wrong, but just like the winds. When other experiences arise, acknowledging them. Without getting entangled. And returning to this anchor for two minutes, returning.
Thank you so much for your listening and practice.